right, good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to Club Pro Chatter Season 6, Episode 6. We are into the month of September. Some of our friends would call it the busiest month of the year. Scotty McDonald is your co-host. I'm Greg Snow. Scott, good morning. How are you doing this morning? Glorious, Greg, just like I told you a little bit ago. Yeah, you said that same word, glorious, but you're going with the scruffy look today. You're going deer hunting? Thinking about it, uh, yeah, I saw you were wearing orange, so I figured I'd go a little scruffy. We well, can go odd. hunting. Um, hey, little, uh, what do they say, a little frost on the pumpkin this morning, 55 degrees when we got up, felt a little cool, so I figured stay a little warm up here. Well, good call, and this is in honor of Ricky Fowler oh. making the, for making the Ryder Cup team. Ooh, we should talk about the good old boys club. Oh. I can't wait. I want to talk about that, which we will later. But, Scott, usually we start with a song or we start with something silly or we start. I got a different opener today for you. All right. I'm going to test you. You're very up in the golf knowledge. And mm -hmm. I thought this would be fun. Mrs. Snow, my wife, Leanne, she went out to California to watch my daughter uh, play volleyball. And she ended up at this place right here. Yep. Okay. Bought mm -hmm. me a hat. Cheap hat at the Pebble Beach Golf and Yacht Club. Scotty, can you, without looking, please don't look at your computer, look right ahead at me. Without yep. looking, can you name the six golf courses in the Monterey Peninsula on the 17-mile drive? Pebble, Spyglass, Spanish. Um, does Cypress count? Cypress yes. Point? Yes. Um, I should remember all these from the video games back in the day. It's hard. I yeah. I didn't realize how close they were together. Maybe we can ask Jeff Sorensen because I know he's played Pebble before. All right. He let's probably knows the rest of them. Yeah, this is a fun little game. Let's bring on our first guest, section champion winner, Jeff Sorensen. Jeff, come on in. Okay, Hi Jeff. guys, how are we doing? Good to see We're you guys. Awesome. Good to see you again. We've had you on before because you win a lot of stuff, and we <laughs> love that. But, Jeff, uh, Scotty needs your help. I don't know if you heard that first part. I phone a friend. Phone a He's friend. He's phone a friend. He's short a couple golf courses in the 17-mile drive. Jeff, can you name all six? Yeah, so Scotty got the, the first four, Pebble. Spyglass, which is my favorite course in the world, uh, Spanish Bay, Cypress Point, which I was lucky enough to play one time, super lucky, and then uh, you got Monterey Peninsula Country Club, which there's two courses yes. there, and I guess technically Poppy Hills. Poppy Hills, that's right. There we go. It's in the middle, it's in the middle of that, not really on the ocean like the other one. So have you played them all, Jeff? Uh, yeah, I've, I've been lucky enough to play them all. And actually, Poppy Hills is a public course, uh, and it's actually, it's really good. It's Robert Chan Jones Jr. and it's it's almost as good as the others. I'm not I'm gonna say it's maybe just a step below, but I mean it's re it's really good. Also, it's like I actually got bent greens. All the other all the other courses have poe. Why is Spyglass your favorite golf course in the world? Uh, so yeah, Spy's number one, Pebbles number two, and Spy is better because the course itself, like. Pebbles awesome, don't get me wrong, but Pebbles kind of wide off the tee. It's actually pretty wide open for except for a couple holes. And um, 
spy you just gotta golf your ball i mean and the beauty of it like it's not as much on the ocean the first five holes are but then then you're up in the forest and you look at these holes and it looks like you're at augusta these white bunkers and it's just absolutely phenomenal just phenomenal and it's scotty, hard you, scotty you played any of them i've not played any of them um maybe someday greg you and i will be uh they'll they'll let us out there uh, how was Cyprus, Jeff? Uh, Cyprus is, is, is very neat. It's like my fourth, my third favorite that I've played is Royal County down. Uh, Cyprus is, is three different golf courses. You got six holes in the, in the forest, six holes in the dunes, and then you got six holes basically on the ocean. And, um, yeah, I mean, the, the design of it is pretty amazing. Um, I think it's like, you know, in spots, kind of easy. Um, in spots, there's some definitely some hard holes, but yeah, I mean, it's it was it was an absolute pleasure to play there. I actually buried the uh, 255 yard par three, number 16. That was kind of fun. That one snuck way out here on the cove, right? I don't know if you can see that, Jeff, but that's yeah, way out here in the end, right? It's way out there. I it was like I was contemplating hitting the driver. It was so windy. I actually ended up hitting a five foot, but it was brutal. Well, I would definitely say, Scotty, these are bucket list items. And, of course, my wife, when she said she's going out there, I go, oh, you got to go do the drive. And she did. And well, Scotty, you did she love it? it? Scotty, you got to get in the tailor-made deal, man. I'm trying. I'm trying. Yeah. You got your, what, do you you mean, your what is you trying your qualifier mean? coming? Yeah. So we they have uh, TP Classics throughout the country every year for tailor-made. And the national championship is at Pebble. Um, so you play 36 holes for nationals and it's always at Pebble beach resort. So, um, that would be my one opportunity to get out there, Greg. Um, so yeah. And that's always in March and Jeff, obviously when he's on staff with TaylorMade, you played in it, what, a couple of times, two, three. I think I played in it four times okay. with them. And then there's a standalone program that I've played in the last, uh, four or five uh, years in February and I'm planning on going again this year. I got a team again, uh, run by pro-am events. It's a, it's a nice event. You play all three courses for that pro-am. Okay. Spanish, okay. Spanish day is part of the Pebble beach property. Spanish, if Spanish was just sitting by itself, you'd be like, Oh my gosh, this place is amazing. But compared to spy and pebble. Yeah. It's a step down, but it's still phenomenal. It's crazy. Who lives out there? Is it Eastwood and Nance? Are those the two big names? Oh, yeah. 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 Nance has got a replica of the number seven in his backyard. Everything's just a half scale artificial turf. Pretty you cool. You were out yeah, there yeah. too, Jeff? Did, did you get to see that? No, I didn't get to see that. But one thing okay. I'll say when you go out there, bring your wallet. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. My wife bought me a hat, 45 bucks. She said, I didn't think that was too bad. I go, okay. 45 <laughs> bucks for a hat. Yeah. <laughs> Just money, just money, Jeff. It's all about, yep. right? Doesn't matter. All right, let's let's get on to uh, the reason we brought you on. Uh, Jeff, you obviously had another good run up there at the Wilderness of Fortune Bay. Um, talk us through a little bit about your mindset going up there. You have some good history. Um, as mentioned, well-documented that you won back there 13 years ago or 12 years ago. Um, so as you're, as you're kind of going up there, we had a chance to talk on the range, but we didn't get a chance to talk about this stuff. What was your mindset going up? Of Did you have a game plan for how you wanted to attack certain holes? Or did you know you were just playing well? 
Uh, yeah, it was 13 years ago, 2010. Um, and uh, that year I went up for a day trip to play it because I had never played it, like for a practice round. Because uh, typically I'm in the North Dakota Open weekend before, so I can't get over there for the Sunday practice round. So I decided uh, things went well last time. I'd do that again. And I'm, I have kind of a weird memory as far as remembering golf holes. And there was a couple holes that I didn't quite remember because that was a while ago. It's pretty hard to believe 13 years. But um, what I kind of figured out is that if I, um, like the last time, if if I, not that I don't have a lot of belief in my driver, but my three wood is pretty accurate and i figured out that like the widest parts of most of those fairways are in my three wood range which is 280 290 270 sometimes you know i mean so that's like i didn't mind if i left myself some longer clubs in a little bit because it is a long golf course um and so i just decided that my whole job was to hit basically you know play conservative i hit hit some holes where i hit hybrids to actually number two which Scotty birdie the first day. What a birdie. What a skin. Uh, I actually, the second day, because it kind of narrows up there, I hit four iron, four iron on that hole just to get, to give myself some comfort level with knowing I couldn't get into those woods that kind of creep in on the left or that bunker. So I, I, I mean, I would say that I played off the tee, like slightly conservative. I only hit driver on eight and um, 16. Those are the only two holes I'd hit driver on. And, but the thing is, is that, you know, I just, like, we got done with the round, the second round, my brother's like, I think you missed like two fairways in two days. So, I mean, that, that was a big advantage. Eight and 16 are the only, even, well, I suppose those two par fives are a little bit narrower. 15. Yeah. I could see you being driver being too much there. Scotty, is that the same game plan you had? No, <laughs> but <laughs> I either. like, no, it's, I agree. Like, you know, I consider Jeff one of in the, in the longer players in our section. So yeah, even talking with like Benoit and when he played with Justin Kraft, who's young and wiry and bombs it, like it's not really designed for someone that hits their driver around 300 yards because the bunkers creep in it pinches in in those spots. And yeah, for example, 15, if you hit it 300 yards off the tee, you're in that hazard. There's literally no place to hit it. So it, uh, it makes sense. And I think Paramount, like Jeff, look, two fairways missed. It's keeping it in play. I mean, he was never, if you're in the woods, the way we were playing him, general area, it's probably automatic double unless you make an incredible up and down somehow so it's uh and then you just got to put your ball and it sounds like jeff you uh rolled it pretty well yeah i i i don't the only putt that i that i missed that probably you know i was supposed to make was on 18 when i was like basically just trying to three putt and get out of there you know and so i kind of that was the only putt. So, I mean, I had some putts that definitely were, you know, 20 footers, 25 footers that were, you know, going in, but left them a little short, but I made, I, I putted really well. I switched back to an old putter and a couple weeks ago and it seemed to, uh, seemed to help me. Um, but yeah, it was, you know, the greens were um, pretty good. You know, I mean, they had, you know, a little bit of pole creeping in there, but 
I've played on pole enough to know kind of how to put them. I, I think that sometimes on pole guys get into jamming the ball in and it just doesn't work because if it starts hopping a little bit, if you hit it the right pace, kind of dead pace, it's got a chance to kind of get back online. So I think that there's kind of an art to it a little bit. I'm not, you know, saying I have some secret, but I think guys that start trying to jam everything, they, you know, they, they tend to lip out a lot of putts on when you have a little bit of pole going. So yeah. And just, you know, trying to work on, um, you know, the greens were, were good. They were maybe, I thought they were a touch slower than they looked, but that was probably good because then it kept the pole and the bent kind of the same height. If they would have cut them really down, that pole would have been sticking up and it would have been pretty bumpy, but considering where they were a year ago, I thought that they putted really well. Yeah, that's a really good point, actually, because I felt that, too, that there was a little bit of inconsistency maybe isn't the right word because it just is what it is with some of those. I mean, you, you ref we referenced Pebble before. That's all Pebble is, isn't it? I mean, yeah. it's just it's super inconsistent, if you will. Yeah, I mean, the one thing out there is, is that, you know, Paul is made for basically like 45 degrees to about 75 degrees. So the pole out there is actually really good. I mean, it's it's just the perfect temperature for it because it never gets too cold, never gets too warm out there. And make sure when you do go out there, you bring long sleeves because it's it's never really warm, but it's perfect for pole. Now it does later in the day, just like the pole we were putting on gets a little bumpy, but I mean, right. But yeah, it's the same thing. You can't get jammy with the putts because it, all of a sudden they just start kind of moving around. But if you have the right speed, they they seem to kind of get back online is the way I feel about it. So, Jeff, you, you bogey two, birdie four, and then you're kind of in cruise control. What uh, what what was the switch that was flipped when you got to that little par three, number 12, which was playing at, I think, 101 yards? What kind oh, of so got you going? First, first round? First round. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I, I, uh, yeah, through the front nine, you know, I, I, I you know, it was even par and I was kind of like, all right, you know, it's not, it's not, it's not, uh, you know, not bad, but not great. And so we just, you know, I was really trying to just take one shot at a time and then, you know, 10 and 11 are tough holes. So I was happy to make two pars there. And then 12, you know, they had that, it was a cool, excuse me. It was a very cool setup with that front pin but they got it up to whatever it was, 98 yards or something like that, which I made think made it fair. If you would have had that pin at even 130, it'd probably been a little unfair. But, you know, he had that tongue there, and I was just like, all right, let's just use the backstop, bring it back, and then I got it to go in, and then it just kind of kind of got me loosened up a little bit, I guess, you know, and then um, it went super close on 13, and then, you know, uh, capitalized, you know, 15, 16, and then 18, to be honest with you, I hit a great drive, but I was not going at that pin. I was trying to go a little right of it, then I pulled it a little bit, and it ended up like two feet or whatever it was. So it was a nice little cap off for that first round. So finish with five birdies in the last seven holes, get in, and obviously you played in the afternoon, and you're tied for the lead. Do you – this is this is a uh, – I mean, it's a – easy question to answer but how do you feel about it sleeping on the lead like this is obviously a big event you know you're going late would you rather be up or would you rather be coming from behind well i mean i i always want to be as far ahead as i could be yes, i mean yeah for sure i mean it's i don't i don't know i mean yeah earlier in my career sure i i'd get like 
you know, pretty nervous. I remember one time out at the National Club Pro in Hershey when I finally made the PGA. I, I threw up in the morning. I literally did. I said, <laughs> you know, I was like, you know, just a little like I was super nervous, you know. And then I realized, like, all right, it's just another round of golf. So, and then, like, I didn't, you know, going into it, I just, we took our time in the morning, made some, you know, it's kind of a weird time of day to play in a way where you gotta, you can't really have lunch right before. So we made a nice breakfast, me and my brother, we rented a place and, uh, you know, took our time getting out and, um, you know, got out there and it wasn't, we like, we, we never set like a goal of what we're going to shoot or, you know, what we're going to do. Or just, our big thing was try to play one shot at a time. Sounds super cliche, but just no looking back, no looking forward. And just let's let's execute every shot the best you can. And if you do that, you're probably going to have some opportunities. And I was able to capitalize on on most of them. So you start day two and you, you just come right out of the gates with a birdie. Um, yeah, it's that, funny that that right pin, I've never actually played that right front pin because when I was there in 10, the pin was back center, kind of like it was for us day one. And then it was front left where I actually ended up winning the playoff on that hole, the second playoff hole. And so I had never, and I think the practice round that I had, both practice rounds I played, I'd never played to a pin there. And so I was, you know, I kind of kept my eye on it because I thought, yeah, there's a, there's a chance they're going to put it down there. And then I, I realized that you got some backstops. And so I actually, you know, that hole, I, I hit uh, three wood, six iron, left myself a nice, you know, 54 degree wedge and just uh, kind of sucked it back down the, um, down the slope there and had about a you know four or five footer and uh, we read it pretty good and went right went in the middle. Yeah, so then you get to number four and that's when you hit the four iron? Was day two? No, number two. Number two, yeah. I hit four iron, yeah. So okay. four iron, four iron, um, just, just short in that fringe area and hit like a pretty good chip, but had like a, you know, five, five and a half footer. Uh, kind of checked up on me, um, and I was able to get that one in. That 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 was a big because that, that's just that's the hardest, probably the hardest hole in the course. I mean, it just really, I agree. really, yeah. And so making par there felt like kind of almost like a birdie. And then three, you know, with that pin back there, I mean, I told my brother, I'm like, let's let's try to like, you know, maybe kind of slam it into the hill if it hops up, great. Um, we were having a little trouble figuring out the win there. And I, you know, I was like, you know, I don't want to putt from the bottom, but I don't want to end up, you know, left or right of the green and that back tier because there's not a lot of room to hit to. And I, I just flushed it and it got up on top, which was huge. And I almost made the putt and, you know, it was, it was a really, you know, tough, tough two putt from down below Derek and Eric had, you know, a little bit of trouble with it. Um, so that was, you know, that was big to make a par there. Yeah, I think that whole location on three, it could have been, I mean, if you miss the green long at all, it's like you're scrambling to make bogey because you're probably going to end up down in that lower shelf. And then you've got to put it up Mount Everest to get up there. I thought that was a really good pin by tone and then move the tee up a little bit. Um, yeah. I thought, uh, I thought the course setup was great. It's, I mean, obviously conditions last year were not, good but i felt like the course conditions were pretty solid um a couple of greens like you already mentioned um but everybody had to play it so um what is it with this place that just suits your eye jeff it's obviously you you've got great vibes there you've won it twice 
Um, have you already pushed Tone to go back in the next couple of years? Well, isn't it isn't it going to be the new home of the Minnesota PGA Championship? Like A's ladies work back in the day? <laughs> nope. Nope. Donnie Berry seemed to like that place pretty good. I think he wanted yeah. to go uh, yeah, I don't know. It's just uh, I think that it requires um, it requires good iron play, right? I mean, it obviously requires decent driving, but you got to be able to hit some longer irons and spots. And I, I don't know. I kind of feel like that's one of my strengths. I can kind of differentiate myself, I guess. But you know, um, I don't know. Just it's kind of suits my other thing. The thing about that that course is there's basically zero dogleg lefts. And I'm not the biggest fan of dogleg lefts because I tend to fade the ball. And that was one thing that I noticed about that course. I was like, hey, I can hit a, I can hit my cut every hole, right? Like a little, you know, three-yard cut with my three-wood, and it just sets up perfect. So, you know, I mean, there's kind of a dogleg left on 11, but not really. You know, you can still hit a fade on that hole. You, know, you don't have to move the ball left. Not that I can't do it. I just don't prefer to do it. So that, that's probably part of the reason that, that it sets up good for me. Yeah, seven would be the only other one that I could think of that possibly would be a little dogleg left. But even there, Jeff, you you're hitting three wood just so you took the bunker out of play on seven and just six. stayed back. Is that what? Number oh, six. six, right, right, six. Yeah, before the par three. So did you just yeah, take that I hit bunker three wood down three the wood? right? Three wood down the right side. I think I hit eight iron in the first day, seven iron the second day. You know, so it wasn't. Yeah, I just take that bunker out of play because it gets pretty narrow down there and. um yeah, yeah. I mean, that's yeah. So you can kind of every hole you can turn it into a fade hole. I think for the most part, you know. So did you guys try to not talk about what your uh, opponents were doing? Did you look at the scoreboard? Is Maddie in charge of that? Do we not be in charge of that? How does that go for you guys? So I used to be like a huge scoreboard watcher. Um, you know, like if it was available, you know, I used to really like to do that, and then I kind of. Two years ago at um, Stone Ridge, I, um, I I I told I told Matt I said we're not looking at all, we're not looking at all, or I'm not looking at all. He he ended up um, looking during that round, and then the last hole I got in a divot on uh, hit a perfect drive on 18 there. Stone Ridge was in a divot, and it just came up a little short because the lie was pretty bad. And I asked him, I I said. Uh, what do I, what do I need to make here? And he goes, you just need to get it up and down. That's all you need to know. <laughs> all right. That kind of thing. So he didn't want to tell me what was going on. You know, you don't tell me if I have to get up and down to, uh, you know, tie or to win playoff or to win, whatever. Right. And that just made me kind of say, Hey, you know, I just got to take care of what I got to take care of. So then this, this year we, we said, we're not looking at it at all. And Matt didn't look at it at all either. And then coming off the 18th after I hit a good drive, I was like, all right, what, what kind of, I know, I said, I know I'm leading, but how much? And uh, he told me four shots. And so I had 149 yards the hole and I tried to hit it 125 yards front, right. And three putt and get out of, get out of dodge, you know? So I think that it's, it's kind of something to be said though, is like, you have to just stay in your own spot. Right. I mean, you can't worry about other people. I mean, I was kind of aware, I actually thought that both Chili and Derek were a little lower than they were. I mean, they, they played good. Don't get me wrong, but like, I thought, Oh man, they're, I was, I, I couldn't, re, you know, cause I'm trying not to like pay attention to the round too much, you know, but I can notice when they make a birdie and I can notice when they make a bogey. And I just wasn't like, but I was just, that, that kind of showed that I was in, you know, kind of my own little spot, which was probably good in the end. Um, 
And I think that like the other thing was too, is like, like last year playing in the 3M and, you know, playing in, you know, some other stuff that I, last year, I really, you know, the, the conditions on the tour are so difficult that you just have to be like fully engaged on every shot. And that's what these guys do. I mean, these guys are like, I mean, it's like every shot is for their life. You know, I mean, they really focus and that's something that I, you know, I was trying to do out there when I played the 3M, but then I kind of try to, you know, in the, and maybe I need to do it more in regular events, but like in the big events this year, like the Tate Mark and the State Open and and this so far, you know, I've been really like trying to be super engaged and just be like, all right, this is this is all that matters right now. You know, and I think it's it's helping me, I think. Do you use any systems like decade or anything like that or do you just know okay that back left pin on 18 i'm not going to aim at that i mean the, the certain pins uh, hitting it to the fat part of the green do you have a system because we've been trying to preach to greg to not aim at every pin even <laughs> though he did aim at the pin on 18 and hit it in the water uh even though we've been working on this but I mean, do you have a system that you use? I mean, not a formal system, but like for me, like if I can hit a straight shot or a baby cut to a pin, that's, you know, I, I, how about this? If it's, if it's inside of 125, you know, if the pin's way left, I'm going to stay away from it. Cause it doesn't, you know, necessarily fit my shape, but if it's partially left, I'll still go, I'll, I'll, I'll go, you know, maybe a touch right of it, but like if it's a center pin or a right pin, that just suits my eye. But so even from, you know, when I get into a little longer distance, I mean, I'm, I, I would say that I'm a fairly conservative player, um, you know, as far as trying to go to the fat side on, you know, certain pin locations and certain distances. But, you know, I, I feel like when I play too conservative though, I start thinking about like the, okay, you know, trying to avoid the miss and then just i gotta tell myself sometimes like hey if you miss the green here you'll get it up and down right that, that's how i gotta approach it so yeah i mean i mean i always kind of like i always think of it like there's there's probably nine 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 to nine to ten to eleven go pins like i'm going at it and there's probably you know six seven eight even in a you know a, a major where you know all right we gotta we gotta shy away from this one a little bit all right, Jeff, one, I need you to give a tip to all of us who are just not so good at these things. You said, you said it's an iron golf course. I, I can agree with that. I thought for me, it was more of a get off the tee golf course. Um, and you kind of referenced that you took that out of play by going a lot of three woods, you know, that you could go to a, a club that you trusted. So when you stood up on say a hole 18 where it's woods on both sides, really it's quite wide, but there's still woods on both sides. What what do you when you're standing behind the golf ball? What are you telling yourself? How are you how are you looking at that golf shot? Can you break that down just step by step? Because there's a bunch of them for me. One, two, 10, 11, 18. These are all where I stood up and I go, ah, which side is it? Where am I gonna miss this sucker? You know, so instead of saying, all right, I should aim at X or I don't even know. So talk me through what a champion does when he looks at those holes. Yeah. So like one of the big things that I, that I try to teach my students is that I think that most people are so concerned about where the ball ends 
that they forget about where the ball starts, right? So a lot, I use a lot of like foam noodles, uh, you know, alignment sticks, and I'll put like uprights out in front of them, like, 50, you know, five to 10 yards, maybe some really tall ones and say, all right, we got to start this ball between the uprights, like a field goal kicker, right? You got to start it there. Then we're going to work the ball from there. Now, my typical amateur student, I'm going to have them hit a draw because that's what most people should hit. But, you know, more powerful players or, you know, guys that, you know, maybe had some hooking problems like I did back when I was younger, I, I'm going to probably hit a fade off of that. So, like, when I got on that tee there, I'm saying to myself, okay, what's my starting point and where is it going to end, right? So, my starting point there was, like, you know, there's that marsh down there and it was whatever, even from the tee we were playing, which was slightly up, was, you know, the hole was, what, 430, 440 from our tee? you know, it was 370 yards or 50, no, it wasn't 345 to the water. So I just picked out, um, you know, kind of the left edge of the fairway down there where there was some marsh that was sticking up. I picked that for my starting point and I'm like, it's just gonna, I'm gonna work it, you know, you know, five to seven yards to the right of that. And that gives me, you know, 35, 40 yards to the right of that. So I think it's the starting point is just, you know, it's like what I get sometimes I'll get someone that shows up with a snap hook and they're like, boy, it really curves left. I go, well, how about the fact it starts left? Isn't that the problem to start? You know, so it's like you got to get it started online, you know. That's good. Scott, Greg, last question. Take us in. No, I was just going to decipher that that maybe you should pick a target off the tee <laughs> first. <laughs> that would probably help. Well, I think it comes that everybody and that's true. But it comes down to everybody is we're we're so afraid of where it's going to end up. We we're yeah. just not. And somebody asked me before I got up there, how you feel? I go terrible. I have two drivers in my bag. I, I don't know if that tells you anything, but I got two drivers in my bag. Yeah, I didn't know which way or where it was heading or what was going to go. So it was going to catch up with me eventually, and it and it did on my seventh hole of the day. It was oh boy, oh I here think, we go. I think another thing that like I try to do is like. Like literally picture the shot, how it's going to land, like, you know, like a video game image of like, hey, there's the fairway from the side view. There's my ball landing in that spot and then, you know, whatever, bouncing or whatever. But like seeing like when it, on the green, like when I'm over the ball, like picking a spot in my head on the green, like and visualizing what that looks like when the ball lands there. So because a lot of times like what you see is going to cue your body to do it. So I think the visualization of just where the ball is going to land is even just a, a good thing. Yeah. Jeff, I'm not going to, I'm not going to ask you, I'm going to ask Scotty because I know he knows this. Scott, how many is this for Jeff? No. Oh, I don't, oh, I, I don't, I don't usually know. know this uh, stuff. I had to guess it's probably around 13 or 14. Section oh, championships? No, no section no no i thought qualifying for nationals hmm. oh oh yeah well let's go both okay so 13 or 14 for nationals how many wins so i th i think it's oh sorry scotty no i'd say five won it five times yeah that was my fifth fifth section championship 10th overall minnesota major 160th career victory so that was kind of a cool number. And then um, I think it's my 15th national. I'd have to add it up. So 
Yeah, I mean, so, lucky to do that. So just let's let's just talk about that a little bit as you're talking about some of those career highlights because I think something that people might not have seen, which I think is really awesome. I mean, it's been a hell of a year for you. Uh, starts with, you know, more or less the last chance getting into nationals at the stroke play, which was very impressive. N never been done before by a Minnesota PGA pro that I'm aware of because they've only had it for a couple of years. So that was awesome. So getting in and then, you know, just a great year winning this, but also, you know, you're in your forties. It's kind of weird you're getting inducted into the Hall of Fame and you're still got a lot of your years in front of you. Talk about that. I mean, how humbling is that? I mean, you're looking at your body of work and now you're going into the Hall of Fame this year. So it's it's pretty awesome. Yeah, yeah. I I, I mean, I, I, I kind of, I didn't necessarily like think about it a lot, but I was kind of like, well, maybe someday, you know, I probably have done enough, I guess, you know, just as far as, playing and hopefully you know teaching you know I'm a pretty busy guy and um taught a lot of lessons over the years um the uh but then like I I didn't know what the the requirements were I didn't know what the age minimum was I didn't know what the win so in I think it was either late May or early June I got a call from Jim Mantis and I'm thinking like oh gosh did I commit a rules fraction <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I'm like, what did I do? You know? call you. Yeah, so I, I I call him back right away. Uh, I was getting ready to go out to the tea teaching, and uh, he's like, "No, I just wanted to call and, and uh, tell you you got into the Hall of Fame. It's not going to be announced yet because we're trying to get a hold of a couple of the people, and and it ended up getting delayed and delayed because I think one of the uh, people that was uh, elected were you know has, has passed, so they were contacting their family and just wanted to let them know before it was public. So, uh, yeah, so then it kind of made me think about it a little bit. And I was like, boy, this kind of means I'm old, I guess. But <laughs> but then I was like, you know, I'm only 44. You know, there's a lot of golf left. I mean, the nice thing about golf is you get to play it for a long time. I mean, look at Don Barry. I mean, the guy's 62. He still plays great. You know, you know and um, so, you know, there's, you know, they're 50, you know, you got senior golf and stuff, you know, like it's it's kind of like you got some more time. Um, but yeah, I guess, you know, looking back at it, it's, I've worked really hard at it and, you know, and at times it's paid off and, um, you know, it's pretty, it's pretty, uh, yeah, it feels good to be recognized, you know, um, and I'm looking forward to the award ceremony. I might have to have someone do the speech for me because I'm not really good at public speaking as far as keeping my emotions in check, but we'll see about that. But yeah, there's been a lot of people that really, um, helped me a lot over the years, to kind of get where I'm at and yeah, but I, I, I got a text from a, a buddy pro-am partner and he's like, well, this is just a chapter, you know, now you got your next chapter and it, it doesn't mean that it's over and you got to, you got, you got a lot of golf left. So that's how I'm looking at it. Jeff, I was just at a wedding this weekend. We don't want no canned written uh, talk. About, I want it right from the heart. I want, I want, I want you bleeding all over. <laughs> Michael there. Jordan. Michael Jordan. Uh, I probably, I probably will be. <laughs> no, that's what we want. I don't care what people say. If they make fun of you, so what? I want it from right here. I told the, the father of the bride, I go, why didn't you, why didn't you speak from the heart? I go, all you did was read from your script. That don't, that means nothing. Come on, give it to us from the heart. So 
take that into consideration when you have your speech. Just just make it from here, man. People will love it because you've earned this and you deserve it, buddy. You, uh, We grew up together in the assistance chapter. And from where you've come from there to where you are now, I bet, I guarantee you, nobody would have saw 160. Nobody. Right? So right, you've right. worked. You worked hard. You've earned this, and uh, yeah, don't be afraid to uh, let it bleed from the heart, man. Because you, uh, you're a great representation of professional golf for us. Well, I appreciate that. That's that means a lot. Scotty, yeah, congrats. Yeah, congrats, Jeff. It's uh, it's a great year. Obviously, I know you're always thinking about uh, that player of the year, which, according to my tally, you've got a pretty good stronghold on. So uh, finish strong um, other than that match play match against me in a week. <laughs> oh, right. should, be, should be fun at the old Fox uh, Fox. I'll get a little, get a little practice run in for the golf champions next uh, nice. Thursday, right? 14. Yes. Next uh, week from tomorrow. I think. Yeah. Yeah. should well, be Let's fun. bring tone in Jeff. You're welcome to stay. Cause we're going to, let's talk a little bit about setup tone. Are you, are you there? And and this group, I texted, I didn't even think about it, but on Saturday, I texted this group, and I want to make it public, we got to get something on the books for that Sioux Falls Country Club. Wow. Was that a golf course? Anyways, I'll just throw that out there. That's free airtime for them. But I texted this group, and I said, we got to do something. This golf course is impeccable. Tone, good morning. How you doing? Morning, guys. How are you? We're awesome. I have first question. Lots of bowls, lots of little funnels. How does that kind of go into your mind when you're setting up a golf course? You're like, oh, I want to do this. Oh, but you'd never use like the bottom of number five. You know, that type of thing. You think, ah, I didn't like that. So talk us through some of what you're thinking when you're walking through those holes. Yeah, I mean, I just try to try to look at how both days are going to be played and then kind of what I'm doing at the other holes just so that it's not the same kind of thing you're doing each time. Um, you know, I've been to the wilderness a couple times before and I had some ideas like, you know, the on number 12 is kind of something I wanted to do. Um, but, you know, just kind of looking at what areas of the green look the best to me and then how you want each kind of nine to play and kind of thinking about where the leaders are going to finish. How do you want, um, that to play out one of my things was trying to have a couple gettable holes going into the back nine that you could be making birdies and hopefully making it making it exciting tone i thought the setup was great um yeah obviously there was a good variety i don't think there was any um any stone ridge-esque holes we don't need to go down that road again jeff knows all too well although he did win that year so, um, but no, I thought the setup was great. And I liked the variety on the par threes, front pins, back pins, varying distances. I thought the whole location on 12 was great. Move the tee up. And if you want to hit a good wedge shot to that small area, then hit it in there. There was a lot of birdies, but I think there were also some big numbers on that hole as well. Yeah, I yeah, thought no, that was fun. No, I just go ahead, Jeff. Yeah, I thought the setup was good. I, I mean, every me and my brother were talking about it. You know, all the pin locations were fair. 
Um, I thought the tee placements were good. You know, he made, uh, you know, there's a couple holes out there that, you know, the, the we decided to, you know, like two, like there's no reason to play that back tee. You know, it's still long enough from, from, you know, one up, it's still 450 or something like that, you know? So yeah, I thought, I thought that was good and yeah, good variety. You know, you had a lot of, you had right pins, you had left pins, you know, it was, it was good. It was very good. We'll just take that. Okay. Yes. So tone. Um, so you, there's a lot of slopes too, like hole number four. I, I found that really fun. I missed the green left over there and I had my two partners. I, I got to play with uh, Matt Sanquist the first day who ended up making it. Um, never really knew this kid. I didn't even know he Dinah had uh, ever had any people that played any tournaments. And so Maddie, good player, good kid. So I said to him and um, I said to those guys, I said, Hey, I need you guys to move over, move over a little bit. And they kind of look back at me and I'm like, yeah, I'm going to chip it up here way up to high and bring it down in. I thought, do you go out and roll balls and think of those kind of things of how people can use these slopes or, and we don't always play courses that have those kind of slopes, but in this scenario, did you do some of that? Yeah, I went out on uh Saturday and uh, hit some shots, you know, and just kind of, I think it helps like when I, you know, teach the interns of kind of my processes, kind of seeing the hole and what locations you'd want, like as if you're playing. And then so seeing the green from 50 yards away or whatever um, would kind of give you some a different vantage point. And then obviously kind of walking around the green and seeing some different things. I know four, I was originally thinking about going back one of the days, um, but just kind of the green in some of the areas didn't look the best. So I was just trying to avoid you know, any sort of complaint about a missed putt or anything like that. Um, so that one wasn't originally what I was having planned of where the two hole locations went up, but I thought we had uh, two good days um, where the locations ended up being. All right, Jeff, Jeff, thank you. Jeff, we'll let you go. Yes, Thanks, buddy. Appreciate it. See you I, soon. See you have a good Jeff. day. Yep. Congrats Bye -bye. again. So, Tone, I thought one of your best pins, and I don't know um, how much um, – consternation you had over it was the par five number 15 on day two i i found that so fun um it was over in that right side kind of in between the two mounds but you could use either side of it we had some people uh, one of our guys was in the homes was in the bunker i was uh i was way back in the bunker and uh, we both tried some different angles to feed it into that pin but it ended up being a very fair spot and super fun and of course shinsey was like you guys with all your trickery off the slopes. And it's like, I just think it's kind of fun to try those things. And of course I was shooting a million, so it didn't really matter. But um, I, I, I don't know. I thought that was your coolest pin. Scotty, did you have a favorite? No, I, I was going to say 15 was great. Thomas Campbell and I both pin high left, not in the bunker. And he went first and tried to use that sideboard and got it wiggled down there. And I got a little bit better angle and almost made it using that sideboard. I hit it to like six inches. So it's just a really fun golf courses with the green complexes, but also can be very penal if you're in the wrong spot. Like if that front pin on 12 day one, if you were above that shelf, you got a tough two putt down the hill. But if you hit a good shot in there, you're going to have less than 10 feet. So Good setup overall. Tone, remind me again, where are we next year? Sioux Falls Country Club? I hope. We are at a 
to be determined course we're uh so i'll say this i am i'm playing the country club of sioux falls this upcoming weekend so i've i've played it i've played it before so i'm excited to go out there and we'll see what we can do so we don't have a venue or is it yet to be announced we don't have a venue Ooh, greg put the push on we know eagle creek's always available too so again, that's that's always an option, but that's a that's down the road. But again, Tone, is it is it are we supposed to be in the cities though next year? Kind of the rotation. Yeah, we're supposed to be in the metro, so I'll try. Uh, you know, obviously trying to keep it at a course that we haven't been to lately, but sometimes that gets hard. So we'll look at maybe making it another travel event or just kind of seeing what's the best venue available at the time for next year. I guess one question for you, Tone, is how difficult is it getting to schedule this event based on the national club car represent that contract? Like a lot of our members, I don't think understand that obviously it's got to be at a club car facility because that is a big national deal. So how much more difficult, I think, all the Brainerd courses now are off the off of club car, so they're off the the rotation. Yeah, it's it's definitely adds a level of difficulty. There's so many other courses you'd like to go to and and have it at. Um, you know, then there's kind of the select clubs that you would want to have. You know, this tournament venue, you know, at so it kind of limits your scope there. But you know, my book is all kind of just trying to create have those conversations early and create those relationships so hopefully that the the host pro who ends up doing it is is wanting it to be there so um i got some lined up other conversations i've been having so uh, i'm confident we'll get we'll get something and hopefully be a good one well and i'll just put it out here right now because i think we have a lot of people that listen and i think there's a lot of people that i think we have a lot of our pros scotty we know during that little chip off out there when you flew at 128 yards over the pin, you know, everybody's like, will this be on the podcast? You know, people, people are like, we need help. Contact Tone. I mean, if you have a, a course that can host something like this, contact and help. I mean, again, some of us, and I love where I'm at. I love my golf course, but I also know that it's only 6,300 yards, you know, and there's just not much more we can do out there. So is it a, is it a great test, um, you know, for a section championship? Maybe not. Maybe it's not the best test, but again, there's other courses that are. And so we plead this with junior golf too. And I'm, as you guys saw me up at the section championship, I'm not afraid to call out our fellow professionals. We got to do things right here. You know, we got to enter in our scores. We've got to offer up our golf courses when we can. We got to help junior golf and tone. We need to make your job easier. I think we're doing better with pace to play for you. Are we not? Yeah, I'd say, you know, pace has been good. And I also say, you know, for the majority of the part, the life scoring has been a, has been a lot better than it has been. So, you know, the message is getting uh, it's getting spread out and getting heard. Well, Scotty, I how, think. I was no, gonna ask, I think how, do feel, how do you feel the pace has been this year for most of the events? I think the pace has been good. Um, it's yeah, it's just it's just tricky. It's some of the pro-ams. Or it's out of it's that's it's a different out of our deal. control. Yeah, different it's, deal. 
our our member only events or our majors pace has been good obviously there's some limitations what you can do at the tape mark with with ams and reachable par fives and things like that but i think the biggest thing and you and i have been big on this especially with borgen and i can call borgen out because i've lost to him in a in a playoff for fourth alternate um but and i lost 20 bucks to him as well but i think the thing is is that these these pros need to understand there is a if you have an apple phone which 75 percent of the world does there is a button called do not disturb so when you're doing live scoring you will not get messages you will not get phone calls you will not get emails don't that is not an excuse anymore and secondly do you want to play for money do you want to have sponsors well then we have live scoring where people go to and we show the traffic to our to our partners and say there were a thousand people on this actual page during the section championship hitting refresh 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 because our pros added to the drama of the event exactly i'm on a soapbox right now but that and not to mention it levels the playing field for everybody else jeff Sorensen should know coming down the stretch on 18 whether he can play conservatively or he should be he can play aggressively so kudos to tone and their crew because i think anyone that wasn't Anyone that, no, you had it right the first time. Anyone that wasn't, yes. Putting in their scores, Tone and the staff asked what the scores were and actually put them in for them. So thank you for doing that. I think it's it's something that adds to the elements of our events and can be a carrot that we dangle to partners down the road. There you go. I'm off I, my soapbox. I just want to let that marinate for a few minutes, if you guys wouldn't mind. I, I just, I, I'm, I'm just pumped right here. And I, Scotty, I've been told I'm sorry, but I've said this. This is our organization. We're the ones who have to call out our fellow pros and have to let them know these are the things that will help us down the road. Yes, we're also, you know, we do other things with the section with governance, but bottom line is. This is a peer-to-peer conversation that we have to be better in all these facets. And we should be a leader in the country on this, of all the sections. When people look at Minnesota and go, man, they figured out their scoring. They figured out their pace of play. They all bought into it. That's what we want. So it shouldn't be on tone or any of the staff that have to be the bad guys. I hate that. Darren DeYoung used to tell me this all the time, Tone, of, man, it's really hard to penalize somebody when you work for them. And we find that at clubs, it's, it's sometimes it's hard to, to chastise your membership for some things. So um, yeah, it, it's just, it's just difficult, but anyways, yeah, go ahead, Scotty. The producers yeah, um, are here a little bit. I know when we jump into Ryder Cup, but I just want to tell Tone, don't worry about that second round up there. Greg struggled the last time he's at Wilderness and look at he, how much he improved. So there's room for improvement. I'm glad that you played in the event and don't let that discourage you from playing in, in, in future years. I'm so happy that you play in this event. 
Yeah, no, it's uh, not letting that discourage me at all. It was uh, other other things going on, but it was it was fun to get out there. I had a great caddy, Carla caddy for me, and it was just a it was a fun two days. And you know, we're 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 moving forward and moving on. So nothing that uh, nothing that that's going to stop me. Good. Ryder Cup, Greg. Ryder Cup. Where do you want to start? Win. You want to start with the snubs, or you want to start with what you? Uh... With the uh, the good old boys, as you would call it. Well, wouldn't you say that that's kind of the same? You know, it, no. it... actually, Derek Holmes, who I played with day two when we were announced and told it, Derek Holmes brought up a very good point. And I, you know what? I had to sit there and make another double bogey and think about it. And I said, you know what? Um, I said, he's right. And here's what he said. He goes, this is what Europe has done lately. They could care less about the points list. They could care less about where you stand or how you've been playing, they want the best rider cuppers. And I have to say, I think JT is one of the best rider cuppers. And I'm like, you know what? I'm okay with it. Do I think it's fair? Well, no, life isn't fair. It isn't fair that I have to fire him into the woods left and right. It went off the maintenance <laughs> shot on 18. That ain't fair. Right. But again, we got to get better. I don't know. What do you two think of those? I want to hear your opinions because I'm not necessarily right here. That's just what I'm feeling. Yeah, I thought the, ahead, I thought the, I thought the picks were were good. I mean, obviously JT kind of was probably the most controversy that I've heard just with you know his playing, but I do think he kind of brings that energy to the team that and that camaraderie that the guys are going to want uh, in the locker room and kind of to get pumped up. And I think that was probably the biggest decision, but. I think it's a pretty strong team and it and it should be a good event. Yeah, I think the the my one counter argument is we switch this that only six automatically qualify. And now the captains have way more power to pick six as they will. And it's very difficult for a guy like Keegan Bradley or you know anybody trying to make that team. To, to, to make it every two years. It's it's really, really difficult. And Keegan's at a good stretch. And now he's sitting at home. And what more did you want him to do? I guess you could say play better, but JT played like a dog coming in. And now he's on the team. Pass merit can get you on there. I find it very interesting how Luke Donald picks a guy literally who just won this last week, Ludwig Aberg, who's been playing great, literally was playing at Texas A&M last fall or Texas Tech. And now he's on the Ryder Cup team. He's like 21, 22. So he's definitely going with the hot hand. So it'll be interesting to see how it shakes out. I just got a feeling when we're over there, What's when's the last time we won it on European soil. 90, 93. <laughs> is this the years. year? Is this years. the I'm year? I was old. I was 18. I was in high school. You were is dead. Is this the year? I was not dead. No, you weren't. You were close to dead. I was in Tone sixth was grade. Dead. Tone was dead 30 years ago. <laughs> I don't know if that is the... But you, not dead, maybe not awake. They wasn't well, born. Listen, 
I don't have the province of the Lord. I don't know what was going on. We don't know how if Tone was going to come along or not. I mean, it was his parents' free will that they, uh, but again, my point being is that it was a long time ago. Why are you getting all red? What's going on? I just think that we didn't need your biology lesson. But I look at, I look don't at know this much European, history. Hey, I look at this European team. And I think the last time we were on European soil, we had Don Barry on this podcast, Greg, and we were at the Royal Club. And we asked Don Barry, what is going to happen? And I was preaching, Europe's going to trounce us. And Don's like, you think Europe's going to win, don't you? And I'm like, yes. And you know what? We're going to get trounced again. This team is stacked. Victor Hovland hasn't been beat by anyone. Rory McIlroy gets jacked up. Tommy Fleetwood, Bats Fitzpatrick's playing great. Hatton would eat your heart out and spit it back in your face. They've got an unbelievable squad, and this just means so much more to them. I think we're going to get trounced. Cohen, do you agree? Um. Yeah. No. I mean, I. I think uh, I think it's going to be close. I don't know. I I don't know if I could say a winner, but I could see Europe Europe pulling it off. But I think it's I don't think it's going to be a complete domination. Huh, Greg? What are you thinking? I don't know. I don't know. I guess I got I got to pick the Americans win by a point. Okay, let's get let's get our predictions on here. Let's get this. Get Kaylee in here. She's been hiding the whole time. She's got to make a pick on this. We're going to pick winning team and margin of victory. This will be the fifth major. So you guys got a chance to catch up to me. You you can't (laughs) top me because I got two. Tone skipped a couple of picks because he was so afraid. Scott, what do you got? (laughs) What did you say again? I've got Europe winning by... Two and a half points. Okay. That's not a trouncing. Yeah, it, it is too. Oh, it is? Yes. What did we win by in the last one? Ten? No. It was a trouncing at Whistling Straits. I'll pull it up right now. Tone, what do you got? Say Europe by one. By one. Kaylee? Uh, I'll take the U.S. by one and a half. Thank you. U.S. by 1.5. Scotty, what do you got? It's an easy Google. It's an easy Google search. Oh, yeah. No, I'm pulling it up. (laughs) On the European site, they only show the past venues in Europe where they've won every single one. Of course, because they got absolutely annihilated. But there's no DJ... Um, 19, 19 to 9. You were right. It was 10 points. That's a drubbing. Seven and, what a drubbing is. seven and a half the last time it was in Le Golf National. France. We got smoked, right? Yes. That was one of our worst performances ever. So, all right. Well, that's all we got for today. Uh, season Wait. six. Ep- what? What's your, we have What's your pick, Quick? I pick USA to win by one point. Okay, there we go. I'm picking the Americans. I, okay. I like bonus. 
who's your MVP of the Ryder Cup? Either oh. team. Oh, okay. Ooh. Last year was it was clear DJ, right? Yeah, it was. Um, I'm gonna go. He went I five pick, and zero. It's got to be somebody on the U.S. So I'm gonna pick. I'm gonna pick Jordan because there's only a few of them that'll play all five matches. Jordan's one of them. Yep. Okay, uh, Tone. Who you picking? It's probably got to be a European. Oh, he's someone I've picked before in these uh, in these things, Mister Victor Hovland. Hovland, I, I thought you were gonna say that. Yep. All right, Kaylee, who do you got? It's got to be an American, probably for you. Yeah, I want Ricky to do something special. But he ain't gonna play five. He might only play three, Kaylee. But okay, you can't go three. Okay. And <laughs> I'll put Ricky down. I don't want to. I've tried to talk you out of things before, and then the guy went and played great. <laughs> who was that amateur that yeah. turned throw? <laughs> Yeah, so I don't want to do that. Okay, Scotty, who do you got? You got Rambo? Well, I like Tone's pick of Victor Hovland, but I'm going to pick somebody else who I think is going to be like the new face of the Ryder Cup because Ian Poulter is gone for Europe. So is Sergio. No, yeah, and Sergio is too. I'm going with, since I've kind of grown this hair out a little bit, I'm going to go with Tommy Fleetwood. He could go five and zero. Oh. He'll he'll yes. play five matches probably. I can so, see that. And we know Victor's playing five. For There's sure. There's no chance he's not playing five. So uh, Rom's playing five. Who else is going to play five out there? Is that about Rory, it? Rory, Rory, Rory Fleetwood, Hovland, and Rom will play all five. Correct. Yes. Yep. Who for the U.S. will play all five? Jordan. Do you think JT? Scotty. I well, Sheffler for sure, probably. Brooks. Kepka. I know who won't. I know number two and number three won't, which is Harmon and Wyndham. They won't. Yep, Burnsy won't. Burnsy unless no him chance. and unless him and Scheffler get a hot pairing together. It could just be. It could be Jordan, JT, and and Scotty. Tone. Anybody else you think will play all five for the U.S. Xander? I would have to look at the team. I don't remember. I don't know if Xander will. I I don't think Cantley will because nobody can hang with him for that long. Nobody wants to be his partner. The human rain delay? Oh my goodness. Right. That I just oh anyways. All right. We we have gone over time. I want to thank you guys for all the work that you do, Scotty. Great show today. Hope you uh, hope you find a razor. And the rest of us, uh, we'll talk to you again soon. Busy September for the tournaments. We didn't even get a chance to go there. And Tone, good job securing the Minnesota Golf Champions out at the Fox Hollow. I think you guys will have some fun out there. Um, I did not qualify. Shot seventy nine eighty five. And so, uh, therefore, um, I will just wait till next year and try to qualify before I become a senior. Scotty, any final comments? Nope. Everybody uh, happy to be back in school. The kids are back in full mode. And, boy, is it getting dark early. Get your golf yeah. in while we can. That's right. All right. For Scotty McDonald, I'm Greg Snow. Hope you all have a great day. Talk to you soon.